God loves us and wants us to know him. That's what we're considering each week in this series of studies on Search for Truth, your 15-minute programme of Bible teaching and hymn singing. So thanks for tuning in. Now your Bible teacher, Brian Johnston, considers how we might gain a greater sense or awareness of God. And this time, Brian's given his study the title, A Compassionate King. You know, people show how well they know God by their actions, no matter who they might be. So let's listen to Brian now. Thanks, John. A police officer somewhere in the United States pulled a driver aside and asked for his license and registration. What's wrong, officer? The driver asked. I didn't go through any red lights and I certainly wasn't speeding. No, you weren't, said the officer, but I saw you waving your fist as you swerved around the lady driving in the left lane, and I further observed your flushed and angry face as you shouted at the driver of the Hummer who cut you off, and how you pounded your steering wheel when the traffic came to a stop near the bridge. Is that a crime, officer? No, but when I saw the Jesus loves you and so do I bumper sticker on the car, I figured this car had to be stolen. Hmm, I wonder. It's hard to live the Christian life with total integrity, isn't it? We sympathise with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, where he confesses he sometimes did the very things he didn't want to do. But it's plain to see that Paul was troubled by that inconsistency. On the other hand, the Jewish religious leaders, known as the Pharisees, whom our Lord charged with being hypocrites, weren't troubled at all, it would seem. The fact that they were being inconsistent seemed to go right under their radar, meaning they didn't or scarcely noticed it. As Christians, you know, we make big claims. They're faith claims. We say we belong to God. We say that we are citizens of heaven. But how well does our life measure up to these claims? That was the challenge the Apostle John addressed in his first letter. He says this, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever follows his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected, by this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him ought himself also to walk just as he, that is, just as Jesus walked. 
That's 1 John 1 and 8, 2 to 2 verse 6. In other words, the Apostle John says that the way we assure ourselves that we really know the Lord is if we keep his commandments. John was dealing here with people who were making claims about themselves that couldn't be justified. Some were saying they had no sins in their life and that they'd come to know the Lord, perhaps implying they had a knowledge of God that was in advance of that of others. The Apostle John lost no time in bursting their bubble. If they didn't live like Christ, then they did not know him. And in claiming to be sinless, well, they were simply self-deceived. However, John, in his letter, does give us three tests of authentic belief. We assure ourselves, in the first place, that our faith claims are real if and when we sustain our doctrinal beliefs, especially about the person of Christ, and when we do what's right and keep his commandments, and thirdly, when we love others, especially our fellow Christians. If we do these things, then we can make a true claim to know God. In the Old Testament, it seems the prophet Jeremiah was facing a similar issue. Some belonging to the Old Testament community of God's people were making big claims, even boasting. Jeremiah the prophet brings them God's message. Here it's from Chapter 9, verse 23, he says, This is what the Lord says. Let no wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches. But let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. All other boasting is futile, and it's the same today. Some people flaunt their intelligence. The term, the world's most powerful man, gets thrown around, usually with reference to the American president. For others, it's about getting on the Forbes list of America's richest people. Jeremiah says, don't even go there. That's not where it's at. Not even close. There is one thing to rejoice in, and that is if you know God. In this sense, it really is about who you know. And those who truly know God, for whom the claim is no fake claim, they know that he specialises in mercy and justice and righteousness. These things are in scarce supply in today's world, which must go to show that the movers and shakers on the planet today have a deep ignorance of God. That's nothing to boast about, but only to be pitied. The Apostle Paul would boast in nothing else other than the cross of Christ. 2,000 years ago, the rulers of this world had no knowledge of the Lord of glory. And so they crucified him. It won't always be this way. The time is coming when the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
There's a song that takes up these biblical words. And my friend Mario in the Philippines loves to go around singing them. He's got no power or wealth to boast in, but he does know God. We're thinking about knowing God, about what it means to say that we know God. Talking about world leaders and powerful men, God, through Jeremiah, contrasts two of them. Their father and son, and both were Judean kings of southern Israel. He begins with a description of the current king, Jehoiakim, and goes on to remind him of the contrasting lifestyle of his father, King Josiah. This is what Jeremiah says. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upstairs rooms without justice, who uses his neighbour's services without pay and does not give him his wages, who says, I will build myself a large house with spacious upstairs rooms and cut out its windows, panelling it with cedar and painting it bright red. Do you become a king because you are competing in cedar? Did your father not eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well for him. He pled the cause of the afflicted and the poor. Then it was well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are intent only upon your own dishonest gain and on shedding innocent blood and on practicing oppression and extortion. Therefore, this is what the Lord says regarding Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. They will not mourn for him, O my brother, or O sister, they will not mourn for him, or for the master, or all for his splendour. He will be buried with a donkey's burial, dragged off and thrown out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. That's Jeremiah chapter 22 from verse 13. And that's a most illuminating commentary on the lives of these two great men. Illuminating for this reason. It says very plainly what it means to know God, what the essence of it is, and so how such a claim by anyone to know God can be tested for authenticity or dismissed as hypocrisy. To know God is to act with justice and righteousness and to plead the cause of those who are less privileged and who are experiencing any kind of affliction. Sadly, the king at that time, Jehoiakim, was intent on dishonest gain, spilling innocent blood and engaged in the oppression and extortion of his own people. God was unknown to him. We can take away the personal challenge. How well do I know God? Can it be said of my life that I do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with my God? as it says in the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. You know, I remember a believer in Ireland who, whenever he was replying to a friendly greeting, asking, how are you doing? He'd reply with a twinkle in his eye, oh, I'm doing justly, loving mercy and walking humbly with my God. Let the beauty of Jesus.
I remind you, if I may, there's a transcript book available of the 12 study talks in this series, so why not send for it? Then you'll be able to get more out of the radio talks. It's available online, and either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title, A Greater Sense of God. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that if you go to the website I just mentioned at churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. Why not have a go and see what you can find to enjoy? It's been a lovely privilege to enjoy your company again today. Thank you. And do join us again next week for our next talk about a greater sense of God. It's called A Steady Pursuit. So, till we see you next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. See you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen.